have the honor of introducing our guest speaker tonight. Um, he came with his beautiful wife, Pastor Jamie. Pastor Jamie, you can wave your hand as well. Um, we have Pastor Paul preaching to us tonight, and he and Pastor Jamie are going to be um, our Sydney, New Philly, Sydney campus pastors. We're sending out a campus plant at the start of 2014, and they are powerful, powerful ministers of the Lord. They just came last week. Um, so they've been very busy since they came here, um, but it's been such a blessing to get to know them a little bit and see them minister. And so please give a warm welcome to Pastor Paul. Can I get a mic? Oh, can I use this mic stand? Well, I know... Uh, I know most people, it seems like most of the speakers at New Philly don't use a stand, right? So, yeah. So, uh, you're going to have to just uh, show me some patience and grace while I adapt. Uh, I'm used to uh, using the stand. I like, I like moving both of my hands, you know? So, I like that freedom, yeah. But uh, if I feel like walking, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so, I'm very, I'm very honored to be here with you guys. Uh, like Rona was saying, we just got here this past week, uh, about uh, less than a week ago, and got to join many of you at the ministry retreat, and it was awesome. Uh, we were really just blessed uh, just to worship and seek the Lord with you guys and uh, see how many of you were being touched uh, by God. And so I was just really blessed to be a part of that. And I just want to thank uh, all the staff and the leaders for inviting me today uh, to share the Word of God with you. So... Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's open up the Word. Let's open up our Bibles or turn on our phones. Uh, and we'll go to Matthew 13. Right, Matthew 13, verse 1. Okay. Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Uh, and then verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. 
he indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Uh, Can we pray together? Okay, Father God, uh, just thank you, God, for uh, this ministry. You may us here at SNU, God, and thank you for all the good things uh, that you're doing here, God. We thank you for uh, the past retreat and how you released uh, so much grace and power and fire. And God, um, yeah, thank you for this gathering again here tonight. I pray that you would uh, speak through me, God, uh, that you would anoint me, my mind, my lips, and this message, and that it would, uh, yeah, find an open heart, good soil uh, amongst us, God, and bear good fruit, uh, 30, 60, even 100-fold. In Jesus' name pray, man. All right. Um, you know, it's, uh, I love campus ministry. I love college ministry. Uh, I was, I think I was saved in college. I'm not sure, right? Because, you know, like, sometimes you don't know, right? I, like, I, I, I was in youth group. I grew up going to church most of my life. Uh, but in youth group, you know, when I was like an awkward 7th grader, 8th grader, you know, and like you're the youngest in the youth group, I, I felt so, you know, awkward and weird. So I like loved the Lord out of my brokenness of awkwardness and all that, right? So I loved God. And I was, like, used, to, used to praise God and just be all passionate. And then I went to high school, and, you know, things changed, and I became, I became a punk and, and a rebel. And, uh, yeah, you know, I became too cool for church, kind of turned away uh, from, from the Lord. Um, you know, I stopped going to church for a while. And then in college, uh, you know, God just, God just took me. Right? My, pra- my parents have been praying for years, just every morning, you know, just getting up and just crying out to the Lord for me. And so all those years of prayer just poured out like it was so powerful and God just took me man I was I was I was a chump right I was like I was such a chump but God just had so much grace so much mercy and powerfully touched my life healed me changed me and now here I am you know 10 years later right so that was about 10 years ago and uh you know back then I was very different uh I was all bitter and angry on the outside Right? I thought I was all tough, right? I put on this hard exterior, you know. Like I would like have like a shaved head, and you know, I never, I never smiled, right? People say I look kind of scary, so you know, imagine me with a shaved head, even more, right? But um, you know, I never smiled. I actually didn't know how to smile back then. Uh, actually, Jesus taught me to smile. That was when I first, no, 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 but seriously, all right? Like that was when I first started to smile after coming to know the Lord. And I remember people would say, you, you smile like a little boy, you know? Because like, I was like, that was the kind of, you know, I was just learning to smile. That was the kind of joy that I had in the Lord. Uh, but yeah, I was like all, you know, bitter, hard on the outside. But on the inside, you know, a lot, a lot of hurts, right? A lot of wounds and things. But God just came and started touching me, right? And just started really pouring out so much healing and grace and love. And yeah, just, uh, it's, been, it's been amazing just getting to know God. And so... Um, yeah, my life changed through college ministry, and I love college ministry. I love campus ministry, and I love, you know, I only went to one retreat for Emmaus, but I already love Emmaus, right? You know, it's awesome. So what you guys are doing here, uh, what God is doing here, it's really amazing. I'm so encouraged, and you guys are really lucky. Yeah, I really mean that. So, um, yeah, but, you know, with every good work that God does, there also comes attacks of the enemy, right? Some people say with new levels come new devils, right? Because Satan doesn't like seeing that. 
kind of stuff happen. And so um, well, what Satan does is a lot of times he tries to attack, tries to hinder, confuse. And, you know, one of the ways he does that is through, through intellectual doubts, you know, concerns, questions. And then you start questioning. You had an experience, but then later on you think, was that genuine? You know, was that, was that authentic? What, are the, what's going on over there? And this, you know, this is what Satan does, right? And this is not new. Right? You see this happening throughout the history of the church. You see in the book of Acts, right? Right when the church started, okay? At the beginning, Acts chapter 2. If you want to read some crazy stuff going on, right? Crazier, just as crazy as the Maeus retreats or whatever. Read the book of Acts. It's crazy, right? From the beginning, people start breaking out and tongue, tongues of fire come upon, like, above people's heads. Like, what, you know, what is that? You know, that's crazy, right? And then, like, they're speaking all these languages, and people are like, some people are like, man, that's the work of God, and the others are mocking. You know, people are always mocking in the book of Acts. They're saying they're, they're drunk, they're filled with new wine, right? They're crazy. Who are these people? And you see throughout the book of Acts, there's riots going on, people turning cities upside down. Do you know why? Because when true Christianity comes on the scene, it doesn't leave things the way they are, right? It turns things upside down. That's what true Christianity does. When the Spirit of God pours out, right? You can't just, you know, just keep, you know, just, just clap your hands like this. And I'm not saying there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's good too, right? So if that's your style, that's, that's cool. That's, that's good. But, you know, when, when the power of God comes, it shakes things up. It stirs things up. That's how Christianity changed the world, right? It started with 120 disciples Right? When Jesus died, they were too scared. There was so much fear that they locked themselves in their homes because they were so scared. And then the power of God comes. Right? And they start preaching boldly. They're getting thrown into prison. They're being killed. You know, They're being so persecuted. And they don't care because the power of the Spirit is upon them. And they're turning the entire Roman Empire upside down. Right? The most powerful empire that we've ever seen in history, they turn it upside down. Right? That's the power of God that comes. And so uh, this craziness that we see, it's not new. It happened from the book of Acts. I'll tell you another time it happened. Uh, the Great Awakening. Right? I don't know if you guys have studied this. I know a lot of you are not from America. But the Great Awakening happened uh, in the 1700s in the uh, colonial America. And one of the leaders of that was Jonathan Edwards. Uh, you guys have probably heard of him. Uh, there was other guys, George Whitfield, you know, some other guys. But um, so one of the things that was happening was as as these guys were preaching, right? And Jonathan Edwards, you know, he he started seeing like people just starting to shriek, just in the middle of his preaching, right? He started seeing people convulsing and falling down, right? All this weird stuff happening, okay? And then guess what happened? People started criticizing it, right? They're saying. What is that? You know, they never seen that before. So they started criticizing it. That's not of God. That's of the devil. That's fake. And you know, Jonathan Edwards, if you, if you saw him, this is how he preached. He literally, he was, he was so, he was so, he didn't want to be emotional. So this is how he would preach. He would just read, uh, he would just read it, his sermon. He wouldn't even look up sometimes. He wouldn't even look at, he wouldn't even look at the audience. Sometimes he would just look at his paper the whole time. He would go, you know. Um, and Jesus went into this town, and, you know, he was, like, all monotone and stuff like that, and then the Spirit of God was just false, so, you know, he wasn't, like, trying to work things up, right, but the, the power of God was just falling, people going crazy, and then these others were criticizing it, right, and so it's not new, but Jonathan Edwards, he's a really smart guy, right, like, he's really smart, 
You know, he writes some books, and he's so smart that, like, really smart people have to write commentaries about his books so that, you know, like, they don't even understand it. You know, they're like, does this mean this? You know, so he's really smart. But he started defending, he started defending uh, the revival that was happening, the Great Awakening, right? And he said, you know, there's manifestations, okay, but a lot of this is genuine Christianity, right? And he started defending that because he, he was a pastor and he spent a lot of time with people and he saw a lot of good fruit, good spiritual fruit. It wasn't just, you know, people falling down, people convulsing, going crazy, shrieking, Right? But there was spiritual fruit that was being born out of their lives. And so John, Jonathan Edwards, he's very analytical. He made like 15 tests to tell whether it's true. If, if you're really interested, I know you guys are smart. This is SNU, right? So go read that, okay? You know, you'll probably take your whole life to try to understand it. But, you know, go read that, right? Um, but he was defending it. It's like, how do you know if a tree is healthy? If you go to a tree and you take every single piece of fruit and it's all rotten inside, right? It's all salsa, right? All right. Yeah, my, my cream is not that good, okay, right? But it's all salsa, right? Okay, so, you know, you, you take all the fruit and every single one is all brown and nasty inside, right? You're going to say, and this, this tree is not very healthy, okay? But if you take the fruit and, you know, you open it and the fruit is good, it's ripe, it's delicious, then you're going to say, the tree is healthy, same thing, right, with Christians, okay? You look at their fruit. What's coming out of their lives? Is there, is there love? You know, is there, is there joy and a peace uh, that's coming out of their lives, right? Uh, a patience that endures, all these good fruits. If you see those things, then you can look at the signs, right? Whether they happen or not, okay? But that's not what's important is you can tell the, tell the tree is healthy because you see the healthy, good spiritual fruit. And so that's, uh, that's a really uh, dumbed-down version of what Jonathan Edwards was saying. But, you know, it's in the Bible too, right? You can tell a tree uh, by its fruit, okay? And um, so he was saying, don't, don't just criticize, but, you know, test. Test, test yourselves and test uh, what kind of lives these people are living, right, how they endure, okay? And um, so, but, you know, also with that, because the devil also works, there's also counterfeits, right? Sometimes you see that as well. Okay, but don't just, don't just judge what's happening just by looking at some of the counterfeits, right? You got you to judge it with sober judgment and look at it in reality, right? And that's what uh, Jesus also taught us. And so whenever God's doing something, you see Satan, he also likes to counterfeit it, right? If you read the book of Revelation, right, Satan tries to counterfeit the Trinity. Okay, we can't get into the book of Revelation because that's all like, you know, another uh, whole topic, okay? But Satan loves to counterfeit the good stuff that God is doing, right? But that doesn't mean that you want to uh, neglect or, you know, criticize that God is actually doing some good stuff, right? So, you know, we see here that, um, you know, in this ministry, maybe you guys see some things happening. You're like, I've never seen that before, you know? Like, and then you just have all these questions maybe. You have some doubts. Okay, don't just close your heart to it, but look at the fruit, right? All right, look at, look at the community. Look at the people, Right? Is there is there a love? Is there is there a joy? Is there is it when when they get you know offended? Right? If they get criticized, do they respond in in, in kindness and gentleness? Right? Is there perseverance when times get hard? Is there all these good fruits right out of the people's lives? Right? Then you can't deny that. You can't deny that there's healthy fruit coming out. You know what I'm saying? All right. So um so today we're looking at the parable of the sower. 
Okay? And uh, here we see uh, four different types of people. Right? Four different types of soil, which the soil represents the heart. And they all respond in different ways. And I hope uh, as we go through this that uh, it will help you to understand the different ways that we respond, people respond, okay, and how to actually seek to respond uh, and seek the Lord in the right way. Okay? So, all right, so let's look at this. All right, so there's four, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there's four soils, right? So, uh, so the sower sow, goes out to sow the seed. Who's the sower? That's Jesus, okay? And what's the seed? That's the Word of God, right? He's sowing it, but not everybody has the same response. There's four different kind of responses, right? So the first response, first soil, is it's on the path, okay? And Jesus says, these people don't have understanding, right? So the seed just stays on the top. It's like on the path. What happens when, you, when seed gets on the path? People step on it, and it's real easy for birds to come and just take it away because that's what they eat, right? And he's saying, you know, without understanding, the seed can't go in, okay? You, you get me? Right? So emotions are good, right? But you also need understanding. Otherwise, the seed doesn't go down, okay? And so, you know, these are most likely, these are people who don't believe in God. They just, you know, they just reject God and they say, yeah, I don't believe that stuff. I don't understand it, right? So what happens is Satan comes and he just snatches it away and that's it, right? So these are uh, the people on the path, okay? They don't understand the word, right? They, they don't really understand. It doesn't make sense to them. Okay. Uh, second kind of people we see, uh, this is the seed on the rocky ground. And the rocky ground, think about it. If there's a lot of rocks there, the soil is not that deep. Right? And so Jesus says here, uh, you get the seed. And because uh, when it starts getting any sunlight or any water or that stuff, there's no, you can't go low because there's no soil. And so what it does is it immediately springs up and it goes really high, right? really quick. Okay? But when the sun starts scorching, the hard times come, the tribulation comes, the persecution comes because of the word, they fall away, right? Because they don't have root. They're like, they're like trees. You know, I remember um, there was a storm. I'm from the East Coast in America, and we had a big storm this past year. And it was crazy, right? I forget what the name of the storm was, but it was crazy, right? And I remember seeing one YouTube clip, and it was this huge tree. It must have been like, 50 meters higher. It was huge, right? And it was in a house's backyard, and then the wind was blowing. It was a hurricane, right? It was going so fast. And then that huge tree just came up out of the ground and just knocked into another house. It was crazy. That tree was huge. But do you know something? The roots were like two feet deep. There was no roots, right? And so just one hurricane. And other trees that were smaller, they were, you know, they were enduring, through the storm, through the hurricane. But this tree, which looked so big, right, because there was no roots, it wasn't able to stand during the times when the storm comes. Right? right? In life, we all experience storms. Right? Life is not all peaches and cream all the time. It's not sunny every single day. Right? We go through seasons. Right? And then, if you don't have a root, you're not going to be able to endure during those seasons. If it's all just, you know, you immediately you receive it with joy. Okay, maybe you had a powerful experience of God, but but you don't take the time to mature. You don't take the time to deepen your roots, right? Then you're not going to be able to endure uh, during those times. Right? It's like the trees in California. My wife's from California, 
okay? And so that's why she's really bubbly and happy, right? Because it's always sunny there. The weather's really nice, right? And so, but you know what the things, the thing about trees in California? Their roots are not very deep, okay? I'm not saying that about my wife, right? I'm not saying that, right? I'm, I'm saying the trees, the trees, okay? Right? The trees don't have very deep roots, okay? And, but you know what? The trees that are in harsher weather, right, their roots go really deep, okay? And, you know, even when it's during the winter times, they go so deep that they're still able to get the water and the nutrients that they need. Okay, it's not all at the surface, right? See, I'm from the East Coast, right? And the weather's really tough there, you know? You know, so that's why. No, you know, I'm just saying, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? But, but that's, the, that's the rocky ground, okay? So these are the people, they have, they have a shallow heart, you know? The word is very shallow, okay? And they have good experiences, Right? But it's not, it's not able to go deep. Okay? So maybe they have a little bit of understanding, but not very deep. Right? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Right? He said, love the Lord your God with all your mind. Okay? And, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. You need all that together, not just one or the other. Right? Okay. Some people have other problems. You know, they just love the Lord your God with their mind. I'll, I'll get into that later, right? But, um, yeah, we know some of those people, right? But we love them, right? Yeah, we love them. Um, what was I saying? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to kind of give an overview of all four soils and then go a little deeper, okay? Um, all right. So, and then the third soil, we see that this is the soil where there's thorns, and so this peop- these kind of people, it looks like the word's going in. It looks like they have understanding, right? So they're not, they're, they don't seem as shallow. And they're following the Lord, it looks like. But what happens, their heart is divided, okay? They don't have a single heart for the Lord where the Lord is first in their life. But they have many different pursuits, many different things that are competing with their heart, with their mind, for their heart, for their mind. Okay, and their hearts are divided. It, the fruit can't mature. Why? Because it's getting choked by the thorns. What are the thorns? It says the, the, the deceitfulness of riches. They want money, right? They just want money, 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 right? They want a good career. They want successful life. They want all the material things, okay? They want the nicest cars, two, three homes. You know, they just want, that's what they want, right? It says the cares of this world start to also choke. Now, we, we all have cares, right, in this world, okay? You know, if you live long enough, right, you, you will experience a lot of cares, okay? And it's going to be things that weigh on your shoulders, start to burden you. But some people, that starts to dominate their thinking, right? All they live is, is oh, you know, I got I to I worry about this and this. And then it starts to dominate their mind, take all the room in their heart. There's no room left for God. And so what happens, they start getting choked by the cares of this life. I've got to take care of my, my family, or I've got to take care of my career, I've got to take care of health, I've got to take care of this and that and, you know, all these other things, which are good things. You, I mean, you've got to take care of those things, but they become only consumed by those things so that the fruit can't mature, you know? And another, another way we get choked by the thorns is, uh, not just not just cares of this world or deceitfulness of riches, but in Luke 8, it, you know, Jesus gives the exact same parable. He says the pleasures of this life, 
Yeah, the pleasures, right? Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like maybe in college, you know, I was getting distracted sometimes by pleasures, right? Right? You see that, you see that good-looking girl, you know, or that, or that guy, you know, you just, you know, the pleasures of life, you start getting consumed with that. Okay, having fun, you know. Uh, you know I don't know what the pleasures are that you guys uh, struggle with here at SNU. Right? Maybe it's different on every campus for every different person. Okay? Right? But the pleasures of life. It's, you know, there, there's pleasures in life. Right? You know, God has given us good things to enjoy in this world. But for these people, that becomes central in their lives. Okay? It takes first place. Right? When they're sitting around and they don't have anything to do, that's, that's what they think about. They start daydreaming about these pleasures. You know what I'm saying? Right? Where, this, this is where their minds go. This is where their hearts go. Right? So they don't have room for God in their hearts. getting choked out and doesn't bear fruit. Okay? And then finally, the fourth soil we see is the good soil. Right? And it says here in the good soil, uh, verse 23. Right? As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Right? So... Right? He understands it with the mind. He, endears, he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, 100, another 60, another 30. Right? In, in, in Mark 4 and Luke 8, they also described it as, they hold fast to the word with an honest and good heart. Right? So it's the heart. Okay? And when the Bible talks about the heart, you know, when, when, we, when, you, when we use the word heart, we often think emotions. Oh, my heart just, you know, just fell in love with that boy. He was so cute. He's, you know, he swept my heart away. Right? We think of emotions, right? But the Bible, that's not how I use the word heart. When the Bible talks about the word heart, it's talking about not just your emotions, but also your, your will, also your mind, just every, every aspect, every dimension of your, of your life. That's your heart. Okay? So this person who actually bears good fruit, there's healthy good spiritual fruit coming out of their lives, they're the ones who hold, they understand the word, they hold it fast, right, in a good and honest heart. Okay? God takes central importance in their life. Okay? When times get hard, they hold fast. Right? Even though there's cares and pleasures and riches, yeah, and you know, those things are important too, but it doesn't, they don't allow it to have the place of central importance, you know? Because God has that place, right? And say so the whole fast, and then through time, just like a plant, over time, it grows, it matures, right? Some seasons, doesn't look like it's growing, right? Many, many, there's many different types of trees I've been learning, right? I don't really study botany, but, you know, I had to, like, you know, take care of a couple, uh, you know, my, my parents' backyard and stuff. And so I realized different trees, sometimes they, like, grow really slowly in the beginning, and then they just sprout up like the bamboo tree, right? First three years, it's tiny, and then after that, just bam, it's just like, it just sprouts up so huge, right? So all trees are different, but sometimes we have seasons where you think, oh, it's not, we're not growing, you know what I mean? I don't see the fruit, but what is God doing there? He's, maybe he's pruning you, right? There's, there's dead branches, you know, dead woods, right? And God's pruning that off. And so you don't see the growth, but it's, it's an internal kind of growth so that you can be more fruitful. You know, so there's different, sometimes he's working on the roots, right? He wants you to grow deeper roots, that's why he brings wintry seasons into our lives. And you think, oh, I'm not bearing fruit. I'm not growing. But what is God doing? He's building in you perseverance, endurance, right, patience, trust in the Lord, 
right? Living by faith and not by sight, courage, right? All these good things. I mean, you know, might not see it, right? Mothers might not be able to see that, but, you know, that's how God works. Okay, we're not just, you know, straight line kind of people, right? That's not how God works in our lives, okay? So we see these four soils, uh, and I want to ask you, um, you know, which one are you, right? Yeah, which one are you, okay? All right. Yeah, this is kind of a this is kind of a scary question, right? It's like, oh, oh man, you know, like, oh man, I want to be that fourth one, right? Oh snap, right? But you know, uh, you know, this is important because throughout the Bible, right, you see Jesus talking about this. You see Paul, right? Jesus says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons and all this stuff? And Jesus is like, depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Oh, snap, that's scary. Man, right? That's scary, right? So I prophesied, Lord. You know, I cast out demons. You know, so Jesus is saying, you know, test yourself. Look at, look at your life. Look at your heart, right? Paul says this too, right? 1 Corinthians 13. No, 2 Corinthians 13, right? 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. But he says that to the Corinthians because they had so many problems in their church. You know what I'm saying? Like they had so many issues. They had so much division, people fighting, right? A guy's like having sex with his mother you know, or his father's new wife. Okay, all this crazy stuff. They're, they're arguing about spiritual gifts. There's no unity. There's no love. Okay, so, you know, but, but you know, the principle remains the same, right? All right throughout the Bible, we see that uh, you got to examine yourself uh, for that fruit, okay? And so that's what we're seeing here is how can you tell, right, if this Christianity is real or fake, if it's Christianity or if it's counterfeit, right? And that's what that's what Jesus is trying to trying to show us here, all right? So um, just to help you guys, uh, I think sometimes categories help us to understand a little bit. And so uh, just to give you a couple categories, first, this is a Christianity of the mind. Right? It's just intellectual Christianity. Okay? And then there's a Christianity of the emotions. Right? An emotional Christianity. And then there's a Christianity of the will. Right? You could call that a Christianity of the will. I can't think of another word for that. Right? But, you know, so you know, we, see, we see these three in different ways. And I kind of want to help you guys understand because I feel like this will be helpful for you guys uh, to process. Because uh, I know you guys, most of you guys are probably like thinkers, right? You know, this is SNU. You guys probably think. You guys probably analyze, see things going on. What's going on there? What is that? Categories help us sometimes, right? So let's, let's you know, let's look at a couple categories. Right? So intellectual uh, Christianity. Okay. So um, you know, th- sometimes uh, what does this look like? Sometimes this looks like you grew up in the church. Okay, and maybe uh, your parents' generation, maybe they started the church. Right, church is like 20, 30 years old, right? Because, you know, the generation before you start. And then all the next generation, they go to church, right? They're taught all the right things, but it never goes deeper. So it remains a Christianity of the mind. It's just intellectual. They got the right answers. And the right answer is always Jesus, right? You know, if you grow up in church, what's the right? All right, Jesus, right? But, you know, they have all the right answers. Okay, they understand it, but they never endured through hard times. They never had to hold fast with an honest and good heart, okay? It never started to affect their emotions where they have a passion for the Lord. It never actually entered into their life, but it just stayed up here, 
And that's just uh, intellectual Christianity. Okay? You know, and, so, and some, some of these people, you know, maybe they're really smart and they can understand the Bible really well. They talk about like, oh, eschatology. You know, what's your view on eschatology, right? And they say, oh, pre-mill, post-mill, amill. What are you? Do you believe in the rapture? You know? And you just be like, man, I want you to be raptured. That's what I want. You don't really bother me right now, right? Just, you know, just talking about all this doctrine and stuff. Okay? So, you know, it's a good thing to, you know, you want to understand doctrine, right? Right? It's, it's good because you want understanding. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Okay? And that helps you to live your life faithfully, to mature, but it's not just your mind, right? But there's some people like this, okay? And uh, this is what I call Christianity of the mind, right? All right, um, little, all right, just trying to find my notes. Okay, all right, so this is the first people, right? And um, second, second category we see is the emotional Christianity, okay? You know, maybe these are like the second soil, right? They immediately receive it with joy. They start to have a lot of activity going on above the surface, okay? But below the surface, there's no root, right? It doesn't take root. And so, you know, you, you know, but you know emotions, right? They're not very stable. That's why they're emotions, right? Some people, emotions go down, up and down like 10 times a day, right? They're like happy and then they're sad and happy and sad. You know, there's some people like that. Others, their emotions... Like, they just, they're, like, really high one month, and then, like, two months later, they're really low, and then, and then you know, we, we, we all process our emotions in different ways, but if there's anything about emotions, is they're not stable, okay? So, if your Christianity is only based on emotions, only based on an experience, that's, if that's all there is, I'm, I'm not saying emotions bad, emotions good. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, Right? Paul says, do not be lacking in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Romans 12. Right? So emotions is good. But if that's all your Christianity is based on, okay, and then you had a great experience, but then you get surrounded by all these other intellectual people, and then they start like bringing all these concerns and questions, and you're like, Oh, I never thought about that. Or I never really wrestled with the truth of God and the Word. And it does, you know, and then you start questioning, oh, was that, ju- was that genuine and authentic? Or was I just, you know, was I just going along with it? You know, because everybody else, because the environment. You know what I'm saying? There's that kind of emotional Christianity, right? And one of the things about these people is, um, you know, they base how well they're doing in their faith by their emotions. It's, it's their feelings. If they're feeling, if they feel really spiritual, then they're like, yeah, I'm doing well, right, with God. If their feelings are not doing so well, then they're like, oh, man, you know, like, I'm not doing well with God right now. But that's, that's, not, that's not biblical Christianity, you know. Jesus struggled. Jesus. I mean, you know, if anyone shouldn't struggle, it should be Jesus, right? But, you know, in what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? He starts sweating drops of blood, right? You know, that's actually a medical condition. I forgot what it's called, okay? But it's a medical condition where your stress is so intense that your capillaries near the surface of your skin, they start to pop, and blood starts to come forth through your pores because it only comes in times of intense stress, right? I heard a couple people who've had that before. They were so stressed. Was, was Jesus doing bad with God? 
because his emotions weren't there. He was like, oh, Lord, let this cup pass from me. If possible, let me not go through this. You know what Hebrews 5 says? It says, Jesus offered up prayers with loud cries and tears. He also struggled too. Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh, remember? Three times he pleaded with the Lord, take this away from me. But God didn't. He's struggling. He's weak. Okay, so, you know, our emotions go up and down. You know what I'm saying? Even, Even the best Christians. Okay, but your Christianity is not based on how well you're feeling. But if your idea of Christianity is emotionally only, then you're going to be up and down all the time. There's no maturity. Right? And so this is what happens. Okay? Oh, yeah, a helpful illustration for me is uh, Christianity is not like a straight line up, but it's like a yo-yo. That's, you know, you're using a yo-yo and you're going up the stairs. Okay? So your general direction. All right, so let me spell that out for you. Okay? So your general direction, you're walking up the stairs with a yo-yo. You're still going up and down, right? And you might go high, and then you might come back down. And the, but you know, your general direction is your ups and downs are going up, right? Like you're going up the stairs, okay? That's, that's what the faith is like, okay? So even when you're going through hard times, it's not just about the emotions, but there's a maturity. You're able to have a more mature perspective. You know, it also goes up and down with depending on the people you're surrounded with, maybe. Right? Maybe you're in a really passionate church that everybody raises their hands in worship, right? And they're all singing loud and yelling and going crazy. Some people are dancing, right? Very passionate. And then you feel passionate. But maybe you graduate. Maybe you move away. You know, maybe you're part of a different church. You can't find a church like that. Uh, and then you feel, oh, you know, my, I'm not doing as well anymore. You know, like... See, this is emotional, right? It's, it, emotions are good, but not just emotions. Okay? So this is the kind of people that are like, immediately receive it with joy, like the second soil. Okay? And they can't endure. Right? But God wants us to go through those times. Because He doesn't want us to be like that emotionally only Christian. He wants us to be steadfast, immovable, strong, mature, able to endure through every season of life, no matter what happens, because you have a faith and a trust and a love for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what God wants to do, right? He doesn't want us just to be like that, right? And then finally, we looked at intellectual, emotional, and then uh, we see a Christianity of the will, okay? And uh, these people, they... They, they're, on the outside, they look really good because they're obeying, right? right? They, on the outside, they look really good. Who does this remind you of? There's some people in the Bible who are like that, right? They obey, right? They follow all the laws, okay? Like the Pharisees, right? The scribes, the teachers of the law, right? They, they might have good understanding or they might not, okay? But there's no, there's no love for God, really. There's no warmth, there's no vitality, there's no life, but they're obeying. Right? And there's different motivations, right? Some people just obey out of fear. They obey because they're afraid to go to hell. Or they're afraid that God will take away their blessings. Right? And God won't answer their prayers. And so they obey out of fear, not out of love for God. 
But a true Christian obeys from the heart. Okay, Romans six seventeen, right? Thanks be to God that you have obeyed from the heart the teaching that we gave to you. you true Christianity is obedience from the heart out of love for God. I'm not saying I'm not saying there's not seasons when you know your love for God is not as waxing fierce. Okay, and so sometimes you gotta obey out of fear. A mature Christian knows, you know, because you're not based on emotions, right? It's not just, oh, when I'm just, emotions are this high. But even when it's just steady sometimes, you still obey out of, out of fear of the Lord. And not like a cowering, you know, fear, but like an awe, right? And a, that, that kind of fear and reverence for the Lord. And you obey Him, right? And then the love returns as you be faithful through those times, right? But, you know, there's people like that, right? They obey out of fear. Some people... Obey out of selfish pride, right? Like the Pharisees, okay? But this is a Christianity of the will, but there's no heart behind it, right? So love the Lord your God with all your strength, right? With your will, even when emotions are not there, right? But it's not just your strength, right? It's all together, right? When you love the Lord your God with your heart, it means with your will, it means with your emotions, it means with your mind, that's the good soil, right? He, he hears it, and he understands it, and he holds fast with a good and honest heart. Every aspect of your being, right? You hold fast, and that's how you produce good fruit. Okay, 30, 60, 100-fold. Right? And so... Um, just checking the time. Right. So, yeah, so we don't want to, right? The first soil, let's, let's do a little quick re- review. Right? First soil, it's on the path. Okay? These are obviously non-Christians. They don't, they don't even think of themselves as Christians. Right? They don't even think they're close. They just don't understand. They reject it. Okay? And ask yourself, which, which one might you be? Right? I'm not doing this to make you guys nervous. But, you know, like, okay? But, you know, second one, Rocky ground. Okay. It's just all emotion. But have you endured through the hard times, right? Are you able to hold fast? Okay. Right? And, and to, to grow beyond this, you got to have understanding with your mind. you got to practice obedience from the will. And, and it takes time, too, through those seasons right? to mature. Third soil, thorns. Right? Are you getting choked? Because you have... Things going on in your life, in your heart, that is so much more important than God, right? Like studies is up here. That's all you think about. Grades, career, right? And then God is just, you know, you worship God because he's the one who can get you a good career, right? So, so what are you worshiping? Are you worshiping God or your career, right? What is first in your heart, okay? Is it a girl or a guy? You obey the Lord because he can get you a good woman, right? <laughs> the Bible says, a proverb says, a prudent wife is from the Lord, right? So you pray to God every day. This is my list of 30 things that I want in my future wife, God. You know, give it to me, Lord. Thank you, right? And then when you break up with that girl who you thought it was, you, you're just devastated. And then, and then you, you fall away from God and you're broken, right? Or maybe, or maybe while you're in that relationship, you're just so consumed, 
Okay? Maybe while you're pursuing her, that's all you think about. You know, is she going to say, are we going to go beyond? Are we going to enter? You know, like, you start, see, it's consuming you. There's no room for God. You, you push them down here. And if God gives you what you want up here, then you're happy with God. But if he doesn't give you it, then you're disappointed. Why, Lord? I thought you're good. I thought you loved me. God does love you. Not in the way that you think. He wants you to love him. Right? He wants you to put him first. Because that is what is best for you. That is what you need. So God will just take away those things. Right? Those things that compete for the allegiance of your heart. It's like, I heard this story. Right? It's like an illustration. So it's like we have all these trees in our lives. Okay? And then there's a tree that is God. But there's also... Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's studies, maybe it's whatever, right? And we're like a bird, and our heart is like a bird, and we set not on God, but on studies, let's say. And what does God do? He starts chopping at that tree, right? He starts to break it down. And then when it falls down, you, maybe you don't go back to God, maybe you turn to something else. Now it's relationships, right? And now I turn to that, and you start, you know, resting on that one. And then God says, no. God starts chopping that down. Right? God, take that away too. Right? And then he chops that down. And then you go on something else. And you go from tree to tree to tree. But the only way we're going to learn is when God takes away every other tree. And the only tree that's left is God. And you're so broken. And you're on your knees. And you're crying out to the Lord. And then finally you realize, God is the only one I need. I didn't need all those other trees. But that's, that's how, that's what our hearts are like. We never rest on God if we have a choice. You know? It's not like, you know, it's not like we don't love God one day and then we just wake up one morning and we're like, you know, I've been thinking and, you know, I, I really think loving and worshiping God first in my life is probably the best. You know, intellectually, yeah, I'm con- and that makes sense. So, you know what? Forget all these other things. It's all about God. Yeah. Raise your hand if that was you. That wasn't me, right? right? God had to take away everything in my life. I was so broken. Only thing I had left was God. And I finally realized, you'll never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. Right? He's the only thing left. And you realize you didn't need those stuff. To begin with, your heart was led astray. Thank you, Lord, for breaking me, tearing me down. But the true nature of our hearts is so divided. You may understand with your mind. You may try to obey with your will, but what's going on inside? Not on the outside, but on the inside. Where's your heart resting upon? Is it the Lord or these other trees? There's many different things we have in our lives, right? And you should thank the Lord when he starts taking them away. Thank you, Lord, for taking that girl away, right? I thought I was going to marry her, but you are good. Thank you. You know, that's, that's actually what happened to me, right? So, so, so this is what happened, right? So, um, actually, when I first turned to the Lord in college, God took away everything else. Okay, I was so broken, and I was like crying on my knees, and then, you know, God was just pouring his love and grace upon me, right? 
And then I didn't want to, I didn't want to date, uh, you know, not because I was chicken or anything like that, right? But because, um, you know, my, my, my past life, okay, I was, I came from, kind of from, from a dark background, okay? And so I, with a lot of temptations and stuff going on. And so when I turned to the Lord, he did some crazy stuff. And I realized like, man, if I, if I don't seek the Lord wholeheartedly, he's going to like kill me, right? He's going to destroy me. No, 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 no. So I won't, I won't go into that story because that doesn't have to do with the sermon, right? But, you know, so that basically I started following the Lord. I was like, forget girls, get away from me, right? I'm going after the Lord, right? Just seeking the Lord. And then um, what happened was God changed me from this angry, bitter, you know, person, really mean person. He started, like, teaching me to smile. He started giving me joy, right? He started help, opening my eyes to see that life is good, right? And there's beauty and joy and all these good things and then all of a sudden like i started liking this girl right no no i started admiring this girl okay because i didn't realize i liked her because i never thought i would like her right but then i started liking this girl okay and then i was like all right but it's okay lord you know like she's not going to ministry i feel your call on me to ministry and I want to seek a ministry partner. So God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust you. You know, I want to put you first in my life. I want your perfect will. Okay, so I didn't pursue any relationship. Right? But then, you know, God, God is pretty good because, you know, he started turning her heart towards ministry. Right? And I was like, thank you, Lord. Right? I was like, thank you. You're good. Right? Right? You know, I, I'm trusting in you and you're blessing me. Right? So I didn't put her first. I put God first. But then I thought God was opening that door. So I pursued a relationship. Right? But, guys, and don't do this. She, <laughs> she, she was going through like five major life transitions at once. Okay? I won't go into too much detail. But, she, you know, she just graduated from college. She was moving 3,000 miles. So she, a whole new community, leaving all her friends, right? Uh, hard situations around her and her You know, all this stuff going on. Five major life transitions. And, you know, I was so wise, you know. I was like, hey, do you want to try to start a long-distance relationship while you're going through, like, a really tumultuous season in your life? Yeah, you know, let's try that, right? You know, because, yeah, I had no foresight, okay? So don't do that, okay? When, when a person's going through, like, major life transitions. Anyway, this is not a, this is not a sermon about dating, right? But, um, so basically, that's what I did. And then we're doing long distance, and then a couple months later, she broke it off. Right? Because, you know, I, I, was, I was not really good, but it was also really hard, right? Because just all the stuff that was going on. And then, um, you know, I remember I was so broken. I waited two years for this girl. I was praying for her. And I thought I was obeying the Lord, trusting him, waiting for his timing. Which, you know, it was really dumb timing. But I thought, right? I thought it was, you know, in God's timing. And then he took her away. So I remember, you know, I was crying that night, right? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you know I'm, I'm tough, right? On the, I like to think of, but, you know, I cry. I cried, okay? I cried that night. And I remember um, I was just worshiping. Uh, to the it's an old school song, uh, it's it's a you know that song. I'm not gonna sing it because I'm really bad. But it's like now uh, now I I belong to you. All I need your spirit, your word, your truth. Here's my hear my cry, right? My deep desire to know you more. Right? And so I was singing that. I was just tears were flowing, and my heart was just confessing to the Lord. 
Lord, you could take anything away, right? And I wanted this, but you know, you're all I need. I belong to you, right? And you're all that I need. That's what it means, right? Okay, you can seek the good things, but is God first? Is he what you seek first? So even when he takes it away, you don't blame him. You still trust him, right? You're still good, God. You're still good. And then three months later, bam, right? She came She came to me, and she apologized, right? And she was like, Paul, I'm so sorry. I really wronged you. And I was like, oh, yes, it's okay. It's okay, right? right? I forgive you. She's like, so, uh, yeah, so should we get back together, right? And she was like, yeah, you know? She was like, and so we got back together, and now we're married, right? It's Pastor James. But you know, but that was a test from God. You know, do I love her more or do I love the Lord more? Is my heart divided? The pleasures of life, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Okay, God tests us, right? And so this is the third soil, right? The thorns. So we saw the path snatched away. So the rocky ground, no roots. Right? There's joy, but it, during sun-scorching times, it falls away. Right? And then we saw the thorns. So many things competing with the heart doesn't produce fruit. It might look like it, but it doesn't. Okay? But then the final one, the good soil. Here's the word, understands it, holds fast, good and honest heart, and then it bears fruit. 30, 60, 100-fold. You know, in those days, you know what a good yield of fruit was for a tree? If you, if you bore tenfold, that was considered really good. If you bore fifteenfold, that was considered like you're excellent, the tree. Right? But Jesus says, if you're like this good soil, and you hold fast to the word, to God, with all your heart, with your mind, with your emotions, with your will, every part of your being, God's going to do amazing fruit in your life. It's amazing what's going to happen. Okay. And so this is what we see. Right? So the question is, not just which soil are you, but how do you become the fourth soil? How do you become the good soil? Right? You see, there was another, there was another man right, who also struggled, okay? You see, Jesus, right? He also went through hard times. He went through times of persecution, times of tribulation, right? Where he was tested in his obedience. But the Bible says, Jesus held on. Even when times were so hard, even when he felt like his heart was breaking and his life was falling apart, even when he felt like he was grasping at straws, there was no answers, right? Just sorrow, confusion, grief, just filling up all the channels. But Jesus held on through all that, right? On the cross. He didn't leave the cross. He struggled. Let this cup, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And he held on. And he stayed on the cross through the hard times, 
Why? He did it for you. He held on for you. So if Jesus held on for us because he loves us, because he's so committed to us, can we not also hold on when times get hard? Right? When the emotions are not so high, when our hearts are breaking, and all we know is pain and sorrow, we can hold on because Jesus held on. And you know, Jesus also had many things that were presented to compete for his heart. There were so many things that Jesus could have had. He could have stayed in, in heaven. I think he had a pretty good life in heaven, right? Like infinite glory, you know, infinite power, right? But he became weak, okay? And he lost it all. He lost the glory. He lost his comforts. He, he became a human. God lost everything. He became a baby. And he was born in a manger. In a manger where donkeys drink water. Like, what is God? What are you doing? Why are you becoming so weak, the all-powerful became weak. The all-wise lost that too, right? The all-glorious humbled himself. And not only did he become a man, but he died. And not only did he die, but he died on a cross. In public shame, humiliation before all the world, his friends, closest friends, betrayed him deserted him. He didn't have a penny when he died. He had no money. He lost it all. Even his last piece of clothing, they took it from him. He had nothing. He lost it all. And to top that, he lost his relationship with the Father, the one whom he loved from all eternity on the cross. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every last thing he lost because he wanted that one thing that was most important. That was us. He was tempted to be divided in his heart, but he knew these are my people. I love them. I must die for them to bring glory to the Father. So you see, when you see that Jesus did that for you, you're like all divided in your heart. But look at what he did for you. He lost everything. He was homeless. He was ridiculed. He had nothing. He lost it all. And guess what? He lost a lot more than any of you guys will ever lose. He lost infinite glory. But Hebrews 12, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and all the shame so that he could save us and show us his love right? and make a way for us to come to God and to know this God and so that we might also let go of all the earthly things 
all the pleasures, all the cares, all the riches. If God doesn't even hold back his son, right, you can tell how much someone loves you by what they will give up for you. Right? By that value. Jesus, infinite value. God the Father loved him with infinite love. But he gave him up for us. Just think about that. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's amazing. There's no love like that. So when you see what he has done for you, just look at the cross. When you're going through hard times, look at the cross. He endured. When you're, you know, when you're divided in your heart, look at the cross and how he gave it up all for you. If you see that, then you can hold fast to the word with a good and honest heart. You, it won't be just an intellectual Christianity of the mind. It won't just be a Christianity of the emotions. It won't just be a Christianity of the will, but it'll be a Christianity of the heart, of your whole being. And then you will mature. You will bear 30, 60, 100-fold into your life. And you will have the joy and the peace that comes with knowing the Lord, the strength, the stability, the maturity. You got to hold fast. Okay? So seek to be that kind of soil. Right? Some of you guys had great experience at that main retreat. Don't just stop there. Right? Don't just rest there. Okay? Keep seeking the Lord. Keep going after Him. Right? Some of you guys, you're going to be tested. Okay? You're going to go through hard times. Okay? You might, emotions go up and down. Hold fast. Hold fast. Right? Seek the Lord. Hold fast with a good and honest heart. Some of you guys are going to graduate this semester, next semester, in a few years. Maybe you'll go to different churches, different, you'll be in different walks of life. Hold fast. Hold fast. Remember the good times. Remember the far falling. Remember. Right? But, and also seek more. Keep pursuing God. Right? Amen? All right, let's pray.